0: The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How
1: about you, Cowboys? Yes! Go,
2: Cowboys!
0: This, this, this is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Touchdown! Prescott keeps
3: it! Yeah. And he bangs it the touchdown!
4: And now, your hosts, Isaiah
0: Standback. Nick Harris, John Mashoda, and Kyle Yeomans. It's a marvelous Monday edition of Talking Cowboys presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company, the official coffee of the Dallas Cowboys. We are here inside the SWBC Mortgage Studios as the bye week is now in the rearview mirror. The Cowboys get ready to face the Los Angeles Rams in week 8 mm. of the NFL season. Okay. Well rested, right guys, right? Because this is uh this is a
2: bye week, yeah. right? You're supposed yeah. to be like chilling. Supposed to. Supposed to be. Yeah, supposed to be relaxing. <laughs> not traveling or no, anything. Nah, getting not super sunburned. I nah, don't want to do any of that. But, Nothing like know. that. It's a young team, though. Young it
0: team. It is a young team. As long as they stay out of the news, as Nate Newton yes. says. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the number real. one thing Nate Newton yeah. said, I said, what's the key to a successful bye week? He said, Stay out of the news. That's yeah. actual and works. That's, so far, that's the case. So that's good for the Dallas Cowboys. We're back here with a shuffled podcast crew on Talking Cowboys. We have Brian Broaddus from Cowboys Break and 105.3 The Fan. We've got Kurt Daniels oh. from Hanging with the Boys and the DC Star Magazine. And then we've also got Barry Yes, Church, sir. Former Dallas Cowboy. Yes, sir. Oh, and he's man. heard on the Players' Lounge Special Edition Pre-game and post-game coverage for the Dallas Cowboys, Mm -hmm. gentlemen. How we doing, Brian? You're rocking your Rangers shirt. Yeah, Yeah. go Rangers.
3: Yeah, ready to go. Uh, Was at the the game Friday. Okay, and I'm trying to remember sporting events in Dallas and growing up in Dallas of just all-time gut wrenchers. Mm -hmm. I was I was there for the the White Clark catch in the Mm -hmm. NFC Championship game way back in the day. Tony Romo's drop snap in Seattle Ooh. in a playoff game was a gut-wrencher. Mm-hmm. Des Bryant's standing right there, catch, no catch. That was Ooh. a gut-wrenching play right there for a really good football <laughs> that team. That was a
0: heartbreak right there. And then
3: when Altuve hit that, I was literally in the press box, and we all know because we've been in the press box. Our life is in the press box. And... You can't cheer, mm-hmm. and literally it was as quiet. I mean, you could see the Astro riders all just kind of, <laughs> and the and the Ranger riders were all just like, "Not again!" Mm-hmm. So it's been a roller coaster ride. But the great thing about this, uh, the, the Cowboys and the Stars and the Mavs, Rangers, they all support each other. Yes, they do. I mean, Dak Prescott was at the game, dressed up, he had his jersey on, ready to go. You know, So, yeah, there's a lot of that crossover between the two. But, man, I was trying to think of those – the all-time gut-wrenching DFW sports moments, and a few of them came up
0: cowboys, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. – which is <laughs> never a good thing. I think it always – it starts with the Cowboys, at least in my mind, and being in DFW. But man, the Rangers have had some gut wrenchers no, too. That mean, was a
3: great one yesterday. It was a great win uh, to get them awesome. a Game Seven to come back. But man, you think uh-huh. about if you find out if you find a way to win that game Friday, and then Evaldi pitching yep. today or uh, last night. Th- last night you have a chance to close those guys yeah. out. And that's that's the that's the beauty of sports right there, though.
0: Mm-hmm. You got Game 7 the night, Max Scherzer on the hill. And, yeah. man, that's yeah. going to be a fun one. Two strikes twice, though. That's
4: a, <laughs> yeah. That back in, what, 2011, yep. what yeah. Was 2011? Yeah, 2011.
2: Oh, that was a good punch. That, that hurts. Uh, and I'm not a baseball guy by any stretch of the imagination. Like, I'm not a baseball guy. You were there, I, though. I, you were I was, the series. It more for the beer. For, in my, in my oh. mind. But so the Miller it, lights. who is Altuve as far as, like, a football reference? Like, Put put that in, like, for me, as far as, like, it's too, like, all here, it's all too good, it's all too good. Pick, pick somebody that you absolutely despise from the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. <laughs> oh, I got you. I got you. And, and, I I'll tell you what, if the
3: Rangers are fortunate enough, and again, I get buddies uh, with the Diamondbacks, and the, the great thing about working with the Cowboys is that there's guys in baseball that are huge Cowboy fans. Yep. So the way I trade my information with them about what's going on with the team, and I learn about Major League Baseball, But, yeah, just if if somehow the Phillies get through the World Series, that is going to be wild if it's the Rangers and the Phillies because those are two two
0: cities that really just don't get along very well. I want to see if it lines up, but the Cowboys play the Eagles what week? They play the Eagles. After after the Rams game. November 5th, yeah, yeah, so week nine. So during the World Series. Right. The Eagles and the Cowboys yeah. would play. We had
3: that one time here. We had the Cardinals. The Cardinals played across the street when they played the Rams. I believe it was the game wow, that DeMarco man. Murray right. had 200 and – eighty oh, yeah, yards rushing.
0: Yeah, yeah he, he had some incredible rushing day for the Cowboys. That, mm. So well, congratulations, Tony Pollard. You're gonna have a hell of a game in week nine. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the Eagles huh? in Philly. All right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it though. Yep, man. Man, man,
0: it. it would be interesting. Good luck to the Rangers tonight. Of course you've got our support and man, hopefully they can they can pull that out. Yeah. That's an interesting comp though. I mean where Jose Altuve, a little undersized mm-hmm. for his position, but, man, he hits with power. He does mm. a lot of things really well. My first thought was was Tyreek Hill. I mean, okay. just a complete okay. game-changer, clutch player, somebody who's just an unbelievable athlete, and a little bit undersized, a little un- under the radar until he hit that point in the NFL. Yep. That was kind of my comp. Okay. But uh-uh. I want to try and ask that, that same sense. question. I was just thinking on hate, mm. sports hate. Oh, sports hate. I'm yeah, thinking because L two V
3: to me, no, he's, a, a, oh, no he's an impact from a man. Oh no, he's a huge out, a huge. Uh, you know but he has a history of things that aren't above board oh yeah you know i mean yeah. whether you believe it or not but he's got kind of that history a lot of the astros do mm-hmm. and you know new england patriots same way with tom brady mm. there's a lot of things that you kind of okay well you can't do that but you're trying to do this and i just think cuz altuve has been he has killed the rangers in the series him and Alvarez both have just killed. But, again, it's a football show, so we'll do football. I'm sorry. We, we got one. That was, I got uh, five hours of, four and a half hours you know, of radio you know, day. Let's <laughs> <listening to> 105. <laughs> go, the fan. go to we'll football. Jeep
0: yeah. uh, from Jersey says Altuve's equivalent for him is Aaron Rodgers. Always Ooh,
3: get you. There you go. Yeah. Look uh, at in one. the wow. chest that, dagger.
2: That, yeah. that, okay. that is Jeep that is, that from Jersey's, All right, Jersey's I've been one. a part of those Aaron Rodgers yeah. daggers, man. <laughs> no, yeah, that that's me bring that one up, buddy. That's the right one.
0: On uh, not Friday. On Wednesday, we had a chance to really talk about the offense, the yeah. state of the offense, what this team looked like going into the bye week, and some of the ups and some of the downs. I want to switch the conversation to the defensive side of the football yeah. today, uh, starting with the confidence meter. We talked about the overall confidence. Then we talked about the offensive unit. Barry, I'll start with you, <coughs> yeah. our resident defender. Yes, sir. <laughs> Where does your confidence level rank right now in the Cowboys' defense in the fact
2: that can they still be Elite. Um, It's wavered just a little bit. Um, If we're going all the way back to training camp, you know, and all the reports I've read out there, and those guys were just destroying this offense. I'm in my head thinking there's got to be a chance to be an historic defense. I mean, you got the pass rush, you got the secondary, the second level all down pat. If we can just basically muddy up that run that we've had, you know, these past couple years. This team is gonna be there, this defense is gonna be historic. You know, then the first two weeks come, you go against New York Giants and the and the Aaron Rodgers list Jets. And mm-hmm. we didn't know how bad, you know, those teams were gonna be um at the beginning of the season. So you're off to a historic pace. And I'm like, man, this defense is legit. This is it. Because New York Giants, they were a playoff team last year right. and they were able to destroy them. And even though we didn't go against, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I felt like man, this this defense has it. This team, this team has got the juice. This defense can really Roll. And then a couple injuries happen right there, and I didn't think that Diggs injury was going to be as huge as it has been. Because if you look at it, man, this secondary back there, if any quarterback has just a sliver of time, just a little bit above average of time back there, they're able to find open receivers out there. And if we go back to last week with the Chargers, Herbert— If he was able to make a couple of those throws, I mean, we may be having a different conversation right there. So, to me, I think the injuries have played a big part in it when you talk about the defense as a whole, that secondary – they're opportunistic, but you can still get them a little bit. And if that pass rush is not elite every single down, they have a chance to give up some big plays out there. So, to me, you know, my confidence wavered just a little bit defensively. Um, I still think they're doing big things out there. They're still doing good things as far as, as a whole, you know, the defensive line winning their one-on-ones because you know Parsons is going to get all the attention. He's going to get double-team, triple-team. Mm-hmm. And I think guys like Odigie I think guys like Demarcus Lawrence, even though he's not having these sack numbers, I think he's still unbelievable in the run. I think he's still a dominant run defender so those guys went in their one-on-ones that's a bright spot but what also kind of worries me a little bit is that injury with Van der Esch in the second level and even though uh, Marquise Bell had a great game against the Chargers that Chargers offense is more of a finesse offense and when you're going against guys like the Philadelphia Eagles who can pound it down your throat if you go against the 49ers once again even Detroit you know Detroit got you know Molly whopped this past <laughs> Sunday but they're yeah. a physical offense and Montgomery is going to come back healthy so when you're going against teams like that, I still kind of want Van Der Esch in that lineup, and he'll be back eventually. But Marquise Bell, even though he had that great game, it still kind of worries me him on that second level because I feel like if you can get to him up there by a the blocker getting to the second level, they can easily kind of displace him. He's using his speed good. He's using his quickness good. But I don't know if the, if an offense sticks with the ground game each and, every, each and every down, I think you can wear that defense down. But mm. overall, I started out as a 9, 8. I'm going down to about a seven, six and a half right now. <laughs> so it's wavered a little bit, but still above average. It's still above average. I still don't think they can be above average, but just not historically great defense. What's
3: your next question? Because he hit it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was he, about he, to say, he kind of went all the way down. No, there. no, no, he yeah. covered it all, and, and, and rightfully so. I, I think that Barry you know, has a really good understanding of about what it takes to play really good defense in this league. And I think that we were all – the injuries have now weakened this defense. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, you're m- going to miss Van Der Esch. We'll see how the linebacker core plays from that. There were some questions about them going in. Losing Diggs really kills you Mm -hmm. because playing Bland in the slot and having Diggs on the outside, Gilmore on the other side, I I think that you you have a pretty good combination there. The pass rush is what it it can be. Uh, But, yeah, I I just think the injuries have really hurt this defense to the point where – It's a good defense. I don't think it's a great defense. But you've got to find a way to make teams very one-dimensional because the strength of it is going to be your pass rush, Mm -hmm. and you got to get guys home. Because if you don't get guys home like you saw the other night – you know, there were some plays to be made against his Cowboys secondary. And I think there's the thing with Gilmore. I think that we're seeing some slippage there. And I'm just only saying slippage in a way of the, the, the skill of his ability to run. Mm-hmm. And I do worry about teams watching your tape and saying, carry him inside. Let's see if he can uh-huh. chase. Let's see if he can run down guys. And, you know, that's going to be a problem. Bland's done a nice job. Jordan at the nickel. You know, there's some, there's some going to be some issues there. He's, he, he's very much a kind of a, a 60 40 player, you know, 60 good, 40 bad. And, you know, you got to find a way to, to kind of maybe, ma- I think you got to mask a couple of things in the secondary now. The safety play hasn't been great here. Okay. And that, and I think that's really, those are the things that keep you from being elite.
4: How do you, because um, they, they're undersized at linebacker. You both talked about the linebacker yeah. and Vander being out. How do you, Make up for that, mask, it, as you said earlier, because yeah. Demone Clark seems like your only true physically linebacker, oh, yeah. and you've got a bunch of small guys. That like you get to that second level, you're in trouble. Yeah, they're in trouble, man. Well, so I'm, how, I'm, do you, how do you cover that?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with the the new additions with you know with Evans yeah. with mm-hmm. Rashawn Evans and 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 how does he fit? Uh, you know Michael Jones, Mikel Jones. Uh, you know, I mean, these are a couple practice squad guys. Do they make a move at the trade deadline? That's coming up October 31st. And, you know, so everybody's like, well, who would you go get? Who would you, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm talking to my guys around the league and, you know, they're giving me names and stuff. But, like, they're guys you go poach off a practice squad. There's nobody out there on the street. Would you trade for somebody? Nobody's really talking about any guys you would trade for. Nobody's putting anybody out there right now. We'll see. I, I, they might just address this through what they've done on the practice squad, you know, to try and help. Because Barry makes another great point is, you know, if you put those safeties down in the box, curse. And Bell and those guys, even Wilson. If you get blockers up on them, Barry will tell you again. You can't. You're fighting 310 pound guys, yeah. and you're trying to find the ball, and you're you're moving. And if you just read it a tick late, you're they're on you. Yeah. It, you know that's the great thing about the the Leighton Vandereschers and the Sean Lees and any great linebacker. Their ability to know formation, balls going that way, gone. You know they stay a step ahead. And, you know, you got, like I say, you got Damone Clark who's trying to kind of find his way. And if he's a tick late, they're up on him. Or Bell, they're up on him. Or, you know, Bell made a great play the night just reading it and going, you know, yep. attacking the oh, hole. Well. But you're going to need a lot more of that for this defense.
2: And And as a, and as a safety, if you're in that box – your first instinct when you see a 300-pound guy mm-hmm. coming at you, let me avoid him. Let right. me get out, of the way. get out of the way. And it's tough when you're in that trenches like mm-hmm. that. If you avoid and get out of the way, you're just opening up another hole for that ball, running back ball to is cut right through. There. It's, yeah. it's tough when you got undersized guys like that, man. So uh, we got a chance to talk to Scott McCurley,
0: the linebacker's coach, sure. right before everybody kind of went on the break last week. And and one of the things was that was asked was, how do you feel like Bell has progressed? Because it is. He was a safety. Mm-hmm. He was a safety that was brought in thought, hey, maybe we could throw him in linebacker, and he showed some good things. Oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. I think his most recent game against the Chargers, when you go back and you look at the film, it was his best game, but that doesn't mean it was a perfect game. Oh. There was a lot of stuff that were, where he was out of position. There was mm-hmm. one where he was beat on coverage, got completely turned around and almost looked lost. But then there were other times where he was shooting a gap. He was mm-hmm. reading the formation and the which, which way it was going, and he was able to get back behind the line of scrimmage. How tough of a transition is that, though, from safety to really a linebacker role? Because we hear about this safety linebacker hybrid, mm-hmm. and there's a hybrid position. But, I mean, there's two distinct roles that Bell is having to kind of come in and fill.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's extremely tough. When you're, when you're at a safety, even if you're not a box safety like that, when you're coming down, there's so much you got to read mm-hmm. in that box, um, especially going against a team like the 49ers right. that show you eye candy left and right. When you're in that box... You're not only, you know, looking at the formation, but you're reading, let me see, if this offensive guard pulls, my gap responsibility goes from let's just say he pulled from the A gap on the right side. So now you got to do the A gap on the left side. You got to follow these things and track these things, and it's extremely hard to do just on a whim like that. And I understand he's had training camp, he's had a couple weeks to get acclimated with it, but we can't expect this guy to be, you know, a Sean Lee out there where he's just oh man, bang! It's it's instinctful like that. He's gonna have to grow, and especially being undersized, you're Mm -hmm. gonna have to make those decisions even quicker because you got to beat these offensive linemen to the next hole. You got to be able to beat these guys, and it's just tough at that second level because he's also not only is he gonna have to you know shark downhill and getting Mm -hmm. those gaps but there's some instances where you gotta set the edge like there's a pulling guard coming around and he has to match that guard and pull it 210 going against 310, I mean, you're going to get displaced. And it's going to be hard to move around that guy when you have to set the edge. Like, the edge has to be set. So there's some things that he's going to be limited with just because of the size in that second level. And that's the thing that Dan Quinn's going to have to – he's going to have to mad scientists and cook something up. (laughs) Yeah, the thing about it is when you get a team like, say, the
3: 49ers who don't – They don't combo block. They just – they go straight up. Mm -hmm. They just – they don't – I mean, they're like – they trust their guys to win one-on-one. Like a lot of teams, you'll see they'll combo. They'll get hip-to-hip and they'll push that down lineman to the linebacker and make the linebacker have to run the hump, you know, to get to the play. And then you're running the hump. Well, it's already four down – four yards downfield – when contact is being yeah. made, so to me, I it, it's a lot on that defensive line too to try and find a way to hold up these guys because if if these tackles and guards know that they could just go straight up field yeah. and not have to worry about a down lineman, then then they're then those safety linebacker guys are in are in a
0: lot of hurt.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, there's there's a number of things I think that Bell's going to have to get better at. Yeah. Thomas. Whenever he's back in health, Clark going to have to get better. Clark specifically. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a huge hole left by Leighton Van Der Esch. Mm-hmm. No yeah. doubt about it. Huge yeah. hole. Uh, and and those injuries have piled up on the defensive side. But I do want to take our first break. When we come back, can the pass rush still carry this team to victory? Not just the defense and the success in the defense, but can the pass rush be good enough to win you multiple football games down the stretch post bye week? We'll ask that question. Plus, which one of these injuries is most impactful? on this Dallas Cowboys defense, and where do they feel like they can maybe make a move at the trade deadline like Brian brought up a couple moments ago. A couple things on the line, down the line here on Talking Cowboys. We'll be back right after this. App, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC.
4: Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you?
2: Dear doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time. But what's the right gift that says thanks for being a shoulder to cry on?
4: Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says thanks, girl. Better than a -a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
0: Back here on Talking Cowboys, presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company, the official coffee of the Dallas Cowboys. This segment is also brought to you by Invisalign, the official smile of the Dallas Cowboys. Back here with Barry Church, Kurt Daniels, Brian Broaddus, Chris Beam in the back. I'm Kyle Yeomans talking through this Cowboys defense. Kurt, when it looked like initially early in the season, and I, I put this out there on our shows whenever it happened, Trayvon Diggs going down was robbing not only Cowboys fans, but the NFL of a possibly historic defense. That's what it looked like Mm -hmm. at the time, because they had just gone through those two games. They had really been working in the right direction. Felt like, okay, this defense can be special. But even without Trayvon Diggs, they're still going to be really, really good. Mm -hmm. If if maybe even great, but still not as good as what they could have been, been without Trayvon Diggs in the fold. We just talked a lot about, Leighton Van Der Esch. Mm-hmm. With those two guys out now, which one's been the most impactful injury, or is there another one that stands out to you based off of Diggs and Leighton Van Der Esch and how this defense has mm-hmm. to fill the holes?
4: I think over these next few games, it's going to be Van Der Esch. And just because that position is so thin, there's not a lot of experience there. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of just linebackers mm-hmm. there like we talked about earlier. And it's not just his his physical presence of being there, but – I you guys will know better than I do, but it feels like he just kind of set, keeps that defense in check. Like he settles it down. He's he's kind of that leader in that way. And then mm-hmm. he, he's able to make sure he's in the right place and this and that. And so I think, it, you know, I was obviously losing digs is a big blow, but I felt like with Bland and, and maybe Jordan Lewis and some of the young guys, you, you had enough there. You weren't in dire straits. Mm-hmm. Now with Vander out, there's enough talent around him, but still I think that's a... That's a huge hole there that I, I wonder. I'm interested to see how they feel.
3: Yeah, the, the, I'm trying to think about you know with with Van der Esch. You're right, Kurt. It, the 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 position was thin to begin with. Van der Esch really I'm gonna you know he does so much. He helps you in the running game. He, You can put him in coverage. Mm-hmm. You know, Clark played well the other day against the Chargers. It was nice to see him step up. The New England game was his best game before that. But, man, that injury to Diggs, mm. it just, to me, it, you know, the one thing that you got to be able to do is you got to be able to cover. And if you could cover, that helps your pass rush, you know. And, and, and I think there's been a little bit of some inconsistency with the, with the coverage since uh, Diggs has been out. Uh, so, I mean, the pass rush, yeah, the pressures, but maybe if you can hold a, a tick longer in route, you know, or you know, keep a guy from getting up the field on you, that gives that – buys Parsons an opportunity, Fowler an opportunity, Lawrence an opportunity, Osa Diggs what? Buys him an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think that Diggs injury is huge. And I, I think they could play around uh, Van Der Esch, but – the, the Just the coverage aspect, that's what teams are doing now, throwing the football, and they're finding ways to do it on the secondary a little bit.
2: Yeah, when we talk about these injuries, I think uh, right now, um, I think Vander Esch is a, is a huge injury right now, but as far as the long pitcher is concerned, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Diggs on this one because when you think about it, the teams that they're going to have to play, the, the upper echelon teams or whatever you want to call it, they not only have an offensive line to match, your defensive line's pressure. So you're not always gonna be, you know, hounding the quarterback, but the majority of them have that that double option at wide receiver when you talk about explosive players. And before the Diggs injury went down, you know, you had faith in Gilmore and Diggs to be able to match those two receivers. So when I'm talking about them talking about like Philly, they got AJ Brown and Devontae Smith out there are you going to leave one of those corners back on an island against, you know, A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith, kind of have your safety shading over there? Or are you going to kind of have to play a two-high shell over both of those receivers, but then that leaves you weak in, in the run? So I think when you had those two corners out there, you were able to do a lot more with this defense. And, and Dan Quinn was able to be a lot more creative. You also think about the 49ers, IU, Debo Samuel out there. I mean, Miami coming down the road. You yeah. got Tyree Kill, Waddle, <laughs> Detroit, Reynolds, St. Brown. These, these – up- upper echelon teams that you're going to have to play um, to get to that next level have those double options and they have the offensive line to kind of match your defensive pass rush. So I think that Diggs injury Long term is going to be huge on this defense when you talk about being able to match skill for skill out there and not have to take away something from the defense as far as aggressiveness to kind of, you know, match and help out those corners on the outside. So I think over the period of time that uh, Diggs injury is going to be humongous.
3: I went back and real quick. I'm sorry, I I went back and watched the Browns play the 49ers on tape. I I was curious of how they matched how they matched up, and Barry was right. They, they, what was really interesting, they, Barry saw the too high shell. And what they did, though, is when Brock Purdy started too high, and then when the snap of the ball, they drove a safety in the middle of the field as a robber. Yeah, and so they went, they went, so what they did was they played man underneath and they went four man rush, and, but they took advantage of Buford and McKivitts on that right side. Teams the you know, the 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 Browns were good enough to put pressure at tackle and at edge, but the way they did it, they took the they took the 49ers crossing game away with playing man underneath, playing man really all around, and then driving that safety to the middle of the field to take the crosser, and then they had somebody back over the top,
1: mm-hmm.
3: so they they were they were they they were covered on every level of the defense, hmm. but they were able to get the pressure home. And then they gave Purdy and you know Dallas, I don't think is equipped to play too deep, not with not with curse playing the other safety. Yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. and sometimes even Wilson, you know, his eyes get lost and but if you're gonna play a too deep and play with a robber in the middle of the field, you know, that that might be something going forward that they kind of a little bit of a different look that they give. But that's how the Browns got to the got to the 49ers. They just didn't allow them on these crossing routes. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that I'm worried about when it comes to Gilmore. I said it mm-hmm. earlier about our team's going to carry him inside and make him chase. Anything vertical, he's fine. Anything across as a chase situation has been a little bit of a struggle.
4: Yeah. So is, is the – how do I say like, Dig is obviously one of the best in the game. Yeah, is Bland that big of a drop off, or is it more of a domino effect because you're kicking out Bland and that's, now your slot is? You that's know? where
3: I. That's where I think it is. I think you're weak now at two spots. Be, well, actually, really weak at one spot because Bland playing slot to me is. The best of you know you get three guys on the field that can cover. Now all of a sudden you take one of the you take one of the best defenders off the field, and you put Bland on the outside. He's good. I think Bland's even better inside. I agree. Mm -hmm. And so now you're dealing with and you know if you believe in Pro Football Focus and all those people that grade these players, the eye test will tell you Bland's had some really nice games and some nice coverage, but man, he's just so much better. I think Mm -hmm. it's it kills him because Lewis. Has his moments, but not like Bland, no. you know. And so, so now you got now you got Diggs, Bland, and Gilmore in the back end covering, and that that that's that's the so best of everything. You keep right?
4: you Bland inside? It's, I mean, there's a that's keep, the keep question. Position strong, See, in the third, that, Well, that's what I'm saying because they two?
3: can't. They're not going to play Jordan Lewis no, outside. No, no. but I, and if you had somebody else, and it, not everybody has all these corners. I mean. Makwamu was a guy that we saw last year mm-hmm. late in the year all of a sudden they're they're getting guys off the street to play corner in these games yep. and all of a sudden McQuamu's like okay we're we're not going to do this anymore we're not going to play with these off the street guys They put McQuamu out there and they actually played well, it, well. played they did. well yeah. they but I don't know if man to me is it's just it's a struggle just because I love Jordan Lewis I just don't know. You know, if it if that's the all the time thing that is, I want to go. With there right any now. thoughts
2: on Wright um, sliding on the outside? He got the length. He's a little yeah. longer of a corner. Um, Coming back from injury, thing, I think yeah. they're they're
0: they're trying to work him back into the fold, but. Okay. Even if that's the case, is he going to be better on the outside than Bland would be on the outside? Because at least with Bland, you have Jordan Lewis to rely back on in the slot, right? That's true. In that nickel position. The one thing I'm looking at whenever it comes to the domino effect, you mentioned the domino mm-hmm. effect of Trayvon Diggs' injury, is not only is Bland better suited for the inside in the nickel position, mm-hmm. but Gilmore is better suited as a cornerback too now. He's been a corner one his entire career, mm-hmm. but they signed him to be a cornerback too. Right. to not face the AJ Browns mm-hmm. to not face mm-hmm. those number 1 wide receivers but now he has to again yeah.
3: well they don't tra- but to. they don't always travel see that's what I'm saying Fair. so to me to me I, I don't look at football anymore as a one in a two corner sure. I don't mm-hmm. I just think you have to find a way cuz the way that teams formation you and if you're not going to travel you got to play you're going to they're going to you're going to play against, gonna against play. anybody yeah, yeah. they're going to they're going to they're going to find a way they're like okay we don't think he's better than this guy. We, we're going to line him up over here. That's mm-hmm. what these teams do. They'll scheme you to a point where, all of a sudden, like we've seen guys where they'll bump a guy, they'll bring a guy in motion, bump a guy out, and they'll bump mm-hmm. a, they'll put a linebacker on Christian McCaffrey, yeah. and you're like, oh, wait a minute, he had a corner on him earlier here. Now he's <laughs> bumped him out because of the motion, and so they'll match you up if they don't feel like that you can that you can cover. They will find ways. So I don't look at it as a
0: one and a two. Sure. I just think I think both the guys have to be more than suitable. But you also look at it from a, a totality standpoint of the of the secondary and the cornerback room. Because if Bland's on the outside, you you feel pretty good about it. Yeah, you feel good about what Bland is. He doing. might be your best corner. Maybe yeah. he yeah, might. I be. would agree. And if if that's the case, then you put him back inside. Your drop off from the outside from Bland is then either. Nashon Wright, Noah Iggbonogany, or somebody else. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just kind of what it is. Yeah. There's a significant drop off. Whereas if you take Bland out of the slot, your drop off is from Bland to Jordan Lewis, which is not nearly as significant of a drop off. So that's why that. they're putting him on the outside. That's why they're playing him out there. Because one, whether or not they travel Gilmore, he's going to face a number one or a number two wide receiver on yeah. the boundary. Mm. Yeah. Bland is going to face a number one or number two receiver on the boundary. Right. Jordan Lewis has just got to play better. I mean, and I'm not well, saying he's played poorly, no, but he hasn't no, no, played no. up to the standard no, no. He, of what a DeRon he, Bland would.
3: He's, he's, you know, there's times when he's been fine. I just, you, we have we faced a team. I say we, I shouldn't say we. <laughs> have they faced a team that has a dominant
0: slot player? You could. I, mean, I would was, throw Brandon Ayuk in that conversation. But Brandon Ayuk's been incredible. But
3: Ayuk killed him on the outside. Yeah, he, mostly, right? the outside yeah. he was. He
0: was I mean, but you have three guys there. You have Brandon, see. I I mean, I'm Tugo interested. Sandler. I'm
3: interested in watching the Rams this week and seeing what gonna they're what they're going to do Naku, with Nakua. Yeah, Co-
2: yeah, Co- yeah, Cooper you, Cup. He's going to be everywhere. Yeah. Cooper Cup's going to be slot, outside, boundary. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Nakua as well. I mean, that's yeah, another he really two headed monster. Yeah. You know, see, I'm interested
3: to see how teams tried to match up against them. You know that way because those guys have been making. Well, I know that uh, Cooper Cup's coming back from injury, but. That kid, from, that kid from
0: BYU has been special. Mm-hmm. He really has. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Speaking of rookie impact, when we come back, let's talk about this draft class. Let's yeah. talk about some of these rookies maybe filling these holes of these injuries that we're talking about. Maybe if the draft class would fill those holes, it, you would feel a lot better about it. But We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the impact of the rookie class, and we'll give our predictions for the post-bye week season when we come back right after this with more Talking Cowboys. Back to Talking Cowboys. Back here on Talking Cowboys, this segment is brought to you by Quaker Oats, a super trusted superfood. Quaker Oats, the official oatmeal sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Waking up here on a Monday morning following the bye week, Talking Cowboys brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company, Barry Mm -hmm. Church, Kurt Daniels, and we've got. Brian us. Brian, what time are you? Are you going to the ballpark tonight? Are you no, it's in Houston. a trip down to it's,
3: Houston. No, I'd love to go. I'd love to go. I thought uh, about but it? No, I, I, I did not I Make that I move. About it, I,
0: I absolutely thought about yeah. it. No,
3: but we got a broadcast today. Uh, but we've got full coverage on 105.3 The Fan. Tonight. I let you
0: get like an RV and just roll oh, I'd, that I'd, thing <laughs> down I-45? I
3: will tell you what, I was in the I was in the stands <laughs> the last time for heartbreak. I mean, like you <laughs> say that, that Altuve took he took my soul on that one, man. He really yeah,
0: did. I'm ready to get my heart broken again tonight. It's going to be great. Don't, don't oh, say that. That's well, not, I nah, I not have going confidence. to be. I, I actually do have confidence. I think Scherzer's about to go out there and throw an absolute gym. I it's hope It's going to so. be great. I
3: hope so. Uh,
0: but, yeah, let, let's talk about this rookie class for the Dallas Cowboys, shall we? Yeah. We've talked about the offense, talked about the defense, the overarching theme of this team. Now let's run down the draft picks. We'll start with, of course, the first-rounder, Mozzie Smith. Kurt, when you look at Mozzie Smith, has he done enough to reach your expectations for the first six games of the year?
4: Oh no, not. I don't think anybody thinks he's reached the expectations that you'd want from a number one pick, just as far as um, the impact he would have. I, I'm choosing. I'm choosing two things. One is that the Cowboys have some depth, so they don't have to rush him. And two, mm-hmm. I'm just hail. Will McClay and his staff, and I'm putting my trust that they, you know, they're obviously one of the best in the league and that they know what they're doing. I don't. I don't know what – I I have no idea. So they – but they've proven to be uh, gurus at this before, and I'm just – I'm putting my trust in them. What do you think, Brian?
3: Yeah, I mean, the thing – if you're one of those guys and gals that watches all 22, and I encourage you, you know, if you can if you can afford to do it and go mm-hmm. to the NFL.com and get your the package, you don't have to be a former scout or a ball player mm-hmm. or writer. You don't have to be. You could, you could see it with your own eyes. You know, you could just sit there and focus on number 58. Did he have problems getting off the snap initially? Absolutely, he did. Was he late a bunch? Yes, he was. Has he gotten better? He has. Yes. He's gotten better at getting off the ball. He's gotten better playing with his hands. His base is better. The numbers don't say all that. But if you really sit down and just say, today I'm going to watch Mozzie Smith play football. And, you know, he, he gets like 15, 18 snaps a game right now. And those there's probably four or five of them you go, okay, a little late there, got turned, got knocked out of the hole and all. But then the other 14 or 15, you're like, okay, got off the ball, disruptive, held up the guy, did a good job with Osa. I'm not sitting here and carrying water for the Dallas Cowboys drafting department or the scouting department at all. But I'm going to say this guy is not a bust. He is not. Now, I love Luke Schoonmaker. Mm -hmm. Luke Schoonmaker was my guy. Luke Schoonmaker is struggling right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's struggling catching the football. He's struggling with some of the point of attack blocking, as does all the tight ends here. So to me, those first two picks and then Overshone gets hurt. We were just talking about it during the break among ourselves of what Overshone's role would have been. So this thing would have looked a lot different if you would have had maybe overshone in the mix. But don't throw dirt on Mozzie Smith right now. Love it. Just don't throw dirt on him. And I encourage you, if you can afford to watch the All-22, go get it. And just, and just take a peek and get the end zone part of it and just kind of look, oh, look, there's 58. Boom, watching him play. You'll have a better understanding of what he is, but as
4: a number one pick, he's it's
3: been yeah it's it's not where you'd want him to be yeah it's no it's it's not it's it's not it's not the impact of you know of some of the other number one picks around the league you know it's not uh, I'm just looking at names like a Will Anderson and what you know what Mm -hmm. he's what he's been able to do I mean there's there's plenty of guys in this draft that uh, that you know the uh, first round picks that are playing at a much higher level. I just don't like I say, I I I think the position he plays, if he was an under tackle or a three technique and not a nose, Mm -hmm. it you know, noses are different than what you know those guys that get on the outside shoulder and run up the field and they're disruptive and all that. Would I like Mozzie to make more tackles behind the line when he gets in there and play a little bit more power? Sure. Absolutely I would. But I, I think that the position he plays limits really the numbers that you're
2: going to see and
3: you know I, I would like him to be a little bit better in some some snaps sure absolutely
2: yeah, um, when we talk about Monsie, uh, you know, was he getting thrown out of the club early? You know, preseason, and all that stuff. Of course, I mean, no white, t- no white tees <laughs> no white tees at all. There. He was getting tossed around, especially in that Seattle preseason game. Yeah. But like Brian was saying, I mean, he, he's shown improvement. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him, you know, Taco Charlton just yet. All right, yeah. I was, this guy, he's shown improvement. And what people got to realize is, you know, he wasn't brought in here to be, you know, an Aaron Donald, a guy that's going to just go up field and disrupt everything, penetration early on. I think what he was brought here to do is pretty much solidify that interior, which means at the point of attack, if you're getting double-teamed, stand your ground right there. Don't let that combo block work up to the next level to the linebackers. I think he was brought here to be a, a space eater. To, yeah. and, and, you, and you love to see him get a little bit better at kind of pushing that, pushing yeah. the uh, offensive line back a little bit more. But mm-hmm. he's getting better. I feel like that Chargers game, he was doing a pretty good job of, of yeah. holding the point of attack right. and, you know, shedding here and there and not letting those guys get up to the next level. And that's why we were able to see a bell and, and, yeah. and um, Clark, you know, kind of go sideline to sideline and yeah. do their thing. So, you know, he, he's far from a bust um, and he's showing improvement each and every week out there. Um, but to me, I, I just would have loved to see overshown out there so far this season. I mean, that guy had so much promise in, yeah. the, in the preseason, the way he was able to move out there. I just feel like he could have been an unbelievable chess piece for Dan Quinn. But so far this year, uh, when you look at this draft class, I think we've been spoiled a lot you know, from the past with the Cowboys as far as getting first-round picks and them having this immediate impact. Mm-hmm. I say just give a little bit of time for Mozzie Smith, and um, I think you'll see improvement each and every week. Look at every first-round pick since 2018. Leighton Van Der Rush,
0: immediate impact. Yep. Uh, C.D. Lamb immediate OK. Yeah. Micah Parsons boom, Tyler Smith boom. Vonzy yeah. yeah. Smith is the first one since Taco Charlton that has not had it. We'll see immediate, but we're six games in. We yeah, yeah, still that's have tight. a better rookie season. I,
3: th- I think people, I think people are seeing maybe what Jalen Carter's doing with Philadelphia with the Eagles. Yeah. You know, that, but Jalen Carter on a lot of boards was like the first was, overall pick. <laughs> a lot of people, when you talk <laughs> about Jalen Carter, you watch Jalen Carter tape and Mozzie Smith tape from Michigan, mm-hmm. it was a clear difference. But I think people are kind of expecting that, like, well, look what they got out of their big guy. Why can't our big guy not, you know, why can't our big guy not have three and a half sacks and yeah. stuff like that? But, it's you know, player. that's, it's kind of a different player, but that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of how you view it in the lens. But I encourage people, if you can watch it, Go watch it. You'll learn a little bit.
0: So, with with that being said, he's he's shown some improvement. I want to do some second half superlatives, and I know it's not the second half of the schedule, but it's post bye week. So mm-hmm. it's second say, half. Yeah. yeah, it feels like the second half. Uh, predictions for this most improved player. Who would you think would be the most improved player on this Cowboys roster, Kurt? I'll start with you.
4: Well, it's probably the low hanging fruit, but, um, and this implies that he hasn't been good in, in some ways, but I think he's just kept progressing. That's OSA. I mean, yeah. mm, he's, yeah. he's yeah. really yeah. stepped up his game even more this year. He's been good his first two this season. I think you're that third, you're really seeing him come along now. He's been a maybe perhaps because Miles is a learning curve here, he's really stepped up and, and held down a lot of that interior, I think. He's okay.
2: been awesome. Barry? Um, I'm gonna have to go. Even though he, you know, he struggled a little bit early on. Had a great game last week. Um, I'm gonna have to go with Bell on this one. As far as improvement, um, you've seen they, they switched his position from safety to linebacker, and they kind of threw him into the fire. And the first couple weeks, practice, whatever you want to call it. He, he kind of seemed lost out there a little bit. And yeah. as the weeks go on and as he's getting more comfortable at that linebacker position, you see he's starting to make plays. You know, whether it's shooting gaps or covering guys like Austin Eckler. I mean, because he pretty much made Eckler, you know, a non-factor in that game against the Chargers. I mean, yeah. he was pretty much on him from a coverage standpoint. So I'm saying he's improving, and I'm, and I'm seeing a lot from Marquise Bell. And uh, I like what I see so far. I think Turpin is a guy that I'd like to see him get more involved
3: in the in some of the offensive snaps. You yeah. know, it, the guy is actually shown the ability – they brought him in motion one time, and he jumped up in one of the longest runs they had in the game the other night. Like I think it was a seven-yard runner, maybe a little bit longer. But he's like he goes, he comes in motion, and then jumps inside and is able to get a block, yeah. and it, it gets the back it's like second level through. And then now, you know they're running with a little bit more of some space, but. When they hand him the ball, throw him the ball, he blocking, he, he seems like to me to a guy that he played a lot of football last year because of the USFL. And then he came in and, you know, they were trying to kind of, you know, I mean, there was 30 some odd games, I think, the guy played. It was kind of crazy. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm long wrong about that. But he, he seems like a guy that I would try to get more involved in the offense. Him, Cooks. Try and get them a little bit more involved in
0: what with that burst and that speed, and, and take advantage of it. I think I would throw Jalen Tolbert into the fold too, just at that wide receiver yeah. position. I think more it's maybe not because he's playing just out of his mind; it's because of where he came from. Sure, came from last year, and he was in a a bad place it, from a from a football standpoint. He was in a dark place mm-hmm. it, with the coaching staff, with the front office. I mean, nobody was really happy with Jalen Tolbert. And instead, he's worked his way onto the roster. He's showing a willingness on special teams. I know he's coming off of the weird play against the Chargers. I thought he was just trying to make a play. Yeah. Oh yeah. He got, got blown up. Trust yeah. me. And he's filling in for CJ. Good one in that situation. <laughs> there are times like that where it, it didn't go well for Jalen Tolbert, mm-hmm. but he's shown a willingness to play on special teams. He's shown ability to, to make an impact from an offensive standpoint. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say most improved, Jalen Tolbert. Now this one's for. The first six games and the rest of the season, Ooh. when the season is said and done, Barry Church, who will be the Dallas Cowboys' most valuable
2: player? Ooh. MVP. Ah, Who's man. the guy? That'll be the MVP. So this is more um, of a prediction as opposed to a review. If the season goes how I believe it will go, which this team will get to the playoffs and, and hopefully make a run, I'm saying this this MVP has it's got to be Prescott. I think it's got to be him. If this team is going to make a run, uh, we understand what this defense brings. It's the strength of this team so far. And I think they'll always give you an opportunity to win ball games. And I think it's going to come down to, can that quarterback make the plays out there? And we saw last week, he has the ability. He has the ability to put this team on his shoulders and make plays out there. Off script, on script, he has that ability. It just comes down to the decision-making. And if the, if the play's not there, don't compound the issue by trying to force something in there. Throw the check down. Use your legs. And we saw a little bit of that last week. So if this team's going to go where I believe they can, I think Dak Prescott has got to be the MVP.
4: Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he, obviously Micah Parsons can make a case yeah. for it, But, I mean, the ball is in Dak's hands every snap, where Micah's not on the, even on the field on some plays. So I think in the end, this team is going to roll how Dak rolls. So.
0: If the ball is in Micah Parsons' hands, that would be a good at, thing. At every snap. He would <laughs> yeah, be he's the going MVP. the other way. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's got to be Tony Pollard. Ooh, okay. Oh, okay. Because this Cowboy running game is non-existent right now. That's true. And the second half, they've got to figure it out. Whether it's what's going on with the five guys. We had Stephen Jones on 105.3 The Fan last, on last Friday. We talked about continuity. We talked about this group, this offensive line, the five guys that play together now. a Couple weeks. You know, you really didn't have any opportunity to practice this week. So the second half of the season, you know, you're going to have to kind of figure some things out with this offensive line. I know the first three games, the Rams, the Eagles, the Giants, and then you get the commanders, you know, with you know with their inside guys. Mm-hmm. You've got to figure out ways to block fronts. You've got to be able to run the ball to take pressure off Dak Prescott. Yeah. You know, you got to try and be more balanced. I think that's what McCarthy wants to do, but it's going to have to start with it up front. But any time that Tony Pollard has the ball in his hands, it can't be a plus two or plus three. It's got to be plus four, plus five, maybe some bigger runs than that if they're going to have any success.
4: But is that a Pollard issue or is that an offensive line issue? It's an
3: offensive Mm -hmm. line issue, but they're going to need Pollard, though, if they do figure things out to be the guy that's going to carry the mail for them in this thing. Hmm. They're going to have – you know, even throwing him the ball. You know, throwing the screens and stuff if they can continue to find, I think putting the ball in his hands, maybe I don't know, Tony Pollard might not be completely he might be healthy, but I don't know if he's got that burst that he once had. But if this team is going to
0: have offensive success, he has got to have success himself. Mm-hmm. I like. I honestly, I think the run game is where this offense struggles the most right now. Yep. And I, I think if they can get that going, it's going to open things up for Dak Prescott. So I agree with Brian. I really do. I think Tony Pollard is the key to this thing. Mm. And it, I, I mean, the, the real key is the offensive line. You we say maybe the MVP is the offensive line. It, it might. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, that might be the number one concern. The MVP would have to be Tony Pollard because he's the only one that could maybe make an impact they've, on they've his had, own. Right? They've
3: had some struggles. I mean, you always great offensive linemen you know, sixty-five plays, you know, they might, if... If they have three bad plays, it's an understanding. If they have six bad plays or seven bad plays, then there's a problem there, mm-hmm. and we're starting to see if you grade sixty-five plays that there's six or seven problems. You know, Tyler Smith in a couple of games has not been as great as he has been in the past. Tyler Biotis is healthy and he's not been great as much. You know, Zach Martin is really playing on one leg right now. Tyron Smith started off the year really, really well, and Terrence Steele. I mean, you know, it, it just him and Martin on that right side have just not gotten it going blocking wise, like we've seen in the past, the tight ends have got to be better at the point of attack if they're going to do anything in this running game as well.
0: There's a long way to go, and there's a lot of things to look at with this Cowboys team. But man, we're going to cover it all the way through. We're back to the Normal podcast schedule tomorrow. You can catch Barry Church on Players Lounge 2 p.m. Central
2: Time. Mm -hmm. Tell me why you should watch Players Lounge. Because I'm on there. Okay. All right. right. If you want to learn anything about football, just, you know, holla at the Players Lounge. (laughs) Quick and easy.
0: I like it. (laughs) Kurt, you're on Hanging with the Boys. You guys go at 1 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Why should we watch Hanging? Because Nate and Jesse's on it. There we go, man. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's love a it, humble Kurt. brag. Yes, right indeed.
0: Humble man. Brian on the break, eleven a.m. Central Time. Everybody watches the break, right? Oh
3: no, we all like the break. And, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that Patrick Walker has done a great job with uh, mm-hmm. his insight there. Amber Garcia brings the the fire and the passion every mm-hmm. week, and Derek kind of moves the thing around like he's Allen Iverson as a point guard. So, <laughs> I love it. We okay. have we have a, we have a good show, and uh, encourage people to uh, to stay tuned. I'll start
0: calling it. DeAI instead. Yeah. I'm going to call him <laughs> AI over there. And then, of course, if you're watching the show already, yeah. this is talking cowboys. We'll be back, of course, with the normal crew: Nick Harris, Isaiah Stanback, John Machota, starting tomorrow, 9 a.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. This has been fun, gentlemen. Yes, it Thank has. you, man. Yeah, yes. thanks for coming on. This has been so much fun. Lots of talking ball. That's what we're, our show is all about. We That's like to it. talk ball and, uh, of course, break down what this, this Cowboys team is doing. So should be a whole lot of fun. Long way to go. Yes, we're indeed. still only in week eight. It's mm. crazy to think we're already there anyways. For Chris Beam, for Barry Church, Kurt Daniels, mm-hmm. and, of course, Brian Broaddus. I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long from Talking Cowboys. We'll see you tomorrow on DallasCowboys.com. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about
3: this, Cowboys? Yeah!